You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Good day and welcome to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Gansert. Thank you so much for listening today. Well, we're now in the middle of October, one of my favorite months of the year. And it's not just because the leaves are starting to change. There's county fairs. There's great apples. There's great fall air. It's really a special month because it's American Humane Association's Adopt-A-Dog Month, our month-long campaign encouraging Americans to open up their hearts and their homes to a new canine friend. And this year is especially important because we're getting word out about the importance of adopting senior dogs. My first guest today knows how much senior dogs, how much they change our lives. And she's actually written a beautiful new book on the subject. Laura Coffey is a writer and an editor for Today.com and the author of My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts. And she'll be on the show a bit later to talk about her wonderful new book. Later, we'll be joined by American Humane Association's own Dr. Amy McCullough, who will tell us about the exciting new results from a study showing the educational value of pets in the classroom. Well, I'm recording today's show in American Humane Association's Washington, D.C. headquarters. I've just returned to the country after representing our organization at the Global Animal Welfare Congress in Mexico City. I was there to talk about the history of the humane movement, the history of compassion and kindness, and how we have really been working together to build a more humane world. I met so many wonderful people dedicated to making the world a better place for our animal friends. A special shout out to Fernando Delgado for being such a gracious host. Uh, It really was an outstanding opportunity to spend time to get to greet so many people from all over the world and to really learn about the condition of animals in other countries. I can tell you, friends, there's a lot of people who love animals. And there's a lot of folks who want to work together in collaboration with American Humane to advance our shared values, our values of compassion, caring, and hope that really exist across boundaries with countries. So it was such a wonderful opportunity to share research, to learn more about animal welfare, to understand the condition of animals in so many different environments. One group that really touched my heart was the Donkey Sanctuary based in Mexico. This one gentleman got up and had some passionate and poignant tales about the condition of donkeys, mules, horses in Mexico. And I must tell you, some of those were truly heartbreaking. You know, I saw so much heart in this one man who was really had an amazing and inspirational vision. He said, all I want to do is build a world where the value of these incredible horses, mules, and donkeys and their contributions to humanity are appreciated. Well, I appreciated his talk and I appreciate what he does every single day to uplift the condition and the humane treatment of those precious creatures. Well, friends, as I mentioned, It's Adopt-A-Dog Month, and all of us can make a more compassionate world for these animal friends and these shelters all across our great country. We need to make sure that we're doing a lot more to reduce the numbers of animals in shelters. American Humane Association established Adopt-A-Dog Month in October 1981 as an annual event to encourage people to save lives and enhance their own lives by adopting a dog from a shelter or rescue group. Here are a variety of ways to help celebrate Adopt-A-Dog Month. 
adopt from a shelter or rescue, spay or neuter your dog, support your local shelter, and let me tell you, live your life every day by being humane. Well, next to talk about the importance of adopting senior dogs, we'll be joined by Laura Coffey. You're listening to Be Humane on Pet Life Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats. Because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted natural meaty bones. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. Today we're talking about American Humane Association's Adopt-A-Dog Month, which we're celebrating all October long. And as I said at the top of the show, this year we're putting an emphasis on the importance of adopting senior dogs who still have plenty of love to give. My first guest today is a writer and editor for Today.com, the website for NBC's Today Show, and is the author of the wonderful new book, My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts. Friends, I have to tell you, this is the book I'm buying. It's top of my holiday list. I love this book. So I hope my family and friends aren't listening to this week's show because they're all going to get a copy for Christmas. (laughs) But Laura, we're so pleased to have you on today's show. Welcome, Laura Coffey. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor. <laughs> oh, Laura, well, you're so much fun. First of all, you're such a passionate advocate for animals, and you've been so for many years. And we just have all appreciated your writings. We've learned so much from the stories that you tell and that you share. So thank you for your entire body of work, in particular, this beautiful book. Let's start at the very beginning. Why should prospective adopters consider senior dogs? Well, you know, senior dogs are wonderful. They're calm and mellow and very sweet. They fit in very well with families that have busy lifestyles and they are less rambunctious than puppies. It makes them a little bit easier to fit in and they're often already house trained. So that's a real bonus. And when they're given a second chance and they have an opportunity to get out of the shelter, they just tend to thrive and they blossom and it feels so good to give a sweet older dog a nice safe place to live. Well, you know, what I love about your book is uh, so many of the stories, but let's talk about one of my favorites, and that's the story of the nuns. Can you tell our listeners (laughs) about the nuns? I love nuns, and I love this story. Please share with our listeners. Yes, this is a story about three elderly nuns who live in New York, and they live together, and they were grieving the loss of their dog, and they were very, very sad for about a week, and they decided that they needed to take action, so they drove to the uh, nearest shelter, and they walked in the door, and they asked to see the dog no one wanted. (laughs) This was Mm -hmm. their priority. They said, give us a dog no one's going to want. And the shelter staff took notice of this. They were sort of taken aback by this. And then they brought out a nine-year-old pit bull named Remy, who completely clicked with these women. And they 
fell in love instantly. There are photos from that day that are remarkable, and they've taken Remy home, and Remy is doing so well. And Remy had been at the shelter for months. People were shying away from her for a variety of reasons, but one of the big reasons was that she was nine years old. And wow. um, it's, it's this very heartwarming, happy, happy story where you just see this dog doing so well in her new home. Oh, that is so beautiful. And I just, I love her photo, too, and I just have to say. So <laughs> what an incredible, incredible story. And uh, you get to feel like you're there when you see these beautiful photos in this book. You know, you talk about senior dogs, and uh, you talk about prospective adopters considering senior dogs. And given that it is Adopt a Dog Month, can you tell our listeners what makes it a good fit for any family? Because these dogs are so special. What makes them especially attractive for any family, whether they're a community of nuns or, or my own house? <laughs> in North Carolina, what makes them so special? So, so many things. Their calmness is a wonderful thing. I mean, not that they don't have, you know, the ability to have fun and run around and play. That's not the case. We met some very energetic, happy, playful, older dogs as as we traveled around working on this book. It's just that they are, you know what you're going to get. There are no surprises. You know how big they are. Their personalities are already formed. They don't chew up your shoes and your remote controls and everything else in your house. And, and they, they tend to be pretty, you know, not pretty good with children. And But best of all, it's just that wonderful feeling of helping out a dog who has run out of options. Mm-hmm. It's a very meaningful way to add a pet and a companion to your home. And people who do it, it tends to be very life-changing for them. And the stories in the book show that regardless of someone's walk of life or geographic area or what have you, this is something very simple anyone really can do. Go to a nearby shelter or connect with a rescue group that takes care of these, getting these sheltered animals out of the shelters and maybe give a, a dog over the age of six or seven a try. I think that's beautiful. Was there one inspiration for this book? I mean, this book, I can tell, is written with so much heart. Each of these stories have so much heart. But was there one inspiration for you? You know, at the time I first embarked on this journey toward this book, it's kind of a strange thing, but I had just lost my mother a month earlier. And and then a month later, I wrote a story about Lori Fusaro, the photographer for the My Old Dog book. And Lori had started a really beautiful senior dog photography project, trying to put a spotlight on senior shelter animals and encourage people not to overlook the older ones. And I had spent a tremendous amount of time in nursing home setting and thinking about aging and thinking about aging with dignity and meaning. And these themes were there in my mind. And I think that that came through in that initial story I wrote about Lori, because these issues are universal. We all want to be treated with kindness and dignity and respect as we age. We all hope someone will be kind to us. (laughs) And I think this is why it contributed to the story resonating as much as it did. That and Lori's beautiful photographs, and she cares so deeply about this. She's taken in several senior dogs herself. She's volunteered at Los Angeles shelters that are very crowded and, and, you know, they have to accept every animal that comes in. And unfortunately, a lot of the older ones do get euthanized. And so Lori saw that. That was really affecting her very profoundly. And the combination of Lori's experience and my experience, and we took this very seriously. We wanted to tell these stories and help people see that the simple kindness and compassion can pay huge dividends even in our own lives. You know, the people we met did this for, they weren't expecting anything big in return, and then they got so much back. Wow. Wow. You know, you have graciously included several hero dogs in your beautiful book. This especially touched my heart that you included Brittany, the last known surviving 9-11 search and rescue dog that won our category at the 2014 Hero Dog Awards. Tell us, how was it to meet Brittany for the first time? What a special dog she is. 
Brittany is amazing. And we met her in New York. You know, we actually had the privilege of spending time with Brittany and Brittany's handler, Denise Corliss, at the 9-11 memorial in New York. And it was uh, Denise's first time back to the 9-11 memorial. And it was very emotional, very difficult, because Brittany had, that was her very first assignment as a search dog, was to search the pile at ground zero looking for survivors. And unfortunately, they did not find any survivors. And Denise wasn't sure she could handle going back there, but she did. And we were there for that moment. And we got to see them. I think it was a very important experience for Denise and Brittany to go back there together. And I see exactly why she was chosen to be a Hero Dog Award winner. This dog helped through so many disasters over a decade or so of time. And now, actually, Brittany is a bit of an anomaly for our book uh-huh. because all the dogs in the Mild Dog book were adopted as senior except for Brittany. But we wanted to include Brittany because her retirement years have been so epic and surprising and amazing. And they show in a way that it's almost remarkable, (laughs) you know, how much older dogs still have to offer. Right. And one of the big reasons that this dog has done as much as she's done in her retirement years is that Denise focused on making sure she wasn't bored. And boredom is something that we don't want to be bored as we age either. You know, we want to stay engaged and active and stimulated. And Denise has been very careful to do that. And Brittany's life as a senior dog is almost as amazing as her life as a younger dog. It's unbelievable how much she's done and how much good she's done. Well, not only the good, this dog is very healthy. She just had her sweet 16th birthday in New York City, which was a viral (laughs) sensation. I don't think anybody could have been in America and not heard the story of Brittany turning 16 with her very special uh, celebration in New York City. But she swims every day. She's so just, I mean, she's active. She's engaged. I wish I had the health of Brittany, frankly. She's amazing. I do, too. I do, too. And this is that's an example in the chapter. So at age 13, Brittany actually was starting to lose her mobility, and she couldn't do the stairs anymore in Denise's home. And so Denise took immediate action and installed an above-ground pool in her backyard and started swimming Brittany every day. And then Brittany was able to regain all her mobility. And that struck me as a very telling example of ways that we could keep our furry family members in good shape and help them as they age. And and because she regained her mobility, then she started volunteering at a local school and she started helping elementary school children learn how to read one of these reading assistance programs where the kids can read out loud to a dog and they don't feel threatened reading out loud to a dog. Mm-hmm. And that kept Brittany mentally stimulated. So, so many great things. It's one of my favorite stories too. <laughs> I love, and I just, and I love because I know her because I know Brittany and it just was a, I just love her to death. Just a beautiful, beautiful story and a, and a beautiful dog. Well, Laura, I know you joined us at this year's Hero Dog Awards in Los Angeles. Thank you for coming and spending your time with us. And we saw another senior dog take the top honors for 2015. Harley, the one-eyed chihuahua, a puppy mill survivor and a senior dog. Tell our listeners a little bit about what it felt like to meet Harley. Oh, I loved meeting Harley. He's so cute and he's so small. I couldn't believe he's so tiny and (laughs) six pounds. And and it was a real honor to meet this dog. And here is an example of a senior dog rescued and adopted as a senior who had been through something so terrible. And even in that extreme situation where this dog really had not been treated well ever for his lifetime, once he found a loving, safe home, he thrived and he blossomed. And look at him. You could see how happy he is. And here this, you know, poor little guy, he's missing an eye because of the mistreatment he suffered at a puppy mill. 
And even through all that, these dogs, their, their resilience and their ability to forgive and their ability to move forward and thrive and enjoy life where they are, it shows me that there is really no reason to fear taking in an older animal and giving them another chance because once they feel safe and welcome and secure, they're going to do great. You know, and that's exactly the point that I felt in reading all the stories. These dogs, these senior dogs are thriving. They're rescued pets. And as you say, they're rescued pets with remarkable second acts. I think your book is just beautiful. You know, our, for our listeners, just a reminder, if you're interested in meeting Harley, the national television broadcast of this year's Hero Dog Awards is Friday, October 30th on Hallmark Channel at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. And I have to tell you, you're in for a heartwarming evening. Well, Laura, you know, as I go back and I flip through the pages right now of my old dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts, I think each story itself could have been their own book. I mean, truly, you've got some beautiful, beautiful, inspirational tales in here. And tales with a -A T-A-I-L-S, they're really, (laughs) really amazing. Any last story that you want to share with our readers from the book that you just want them to take in their hearts with them as they are listening to our show today? Well, you know, another story that affected me very deeply was the story of Cheney, who was another American Humane Association Hero Dog Award winner in the military category. And Cheney's story really affected me because he was a retired military dog. There were a lot of logistics involved in getting him home and reuniting him with his former handler, you know, Mm -hmm. who had served with Cheney in Afghanistan. I know this is an issue that's very, very close to your heart, too, and how much American Humane Association has done to try to reunite military working dogs with their handlers. And this Mm -hmm. story is such a powerful example of how much a veteran can benefit from being reunited with his or her dog. Matt Hatala in this chapter, he opens up quite a bit and describes what he was going through. When he returned home from Afghanistan, it wasn't easy at all for him. But once he got Cheney back, it was the beginning of moving forward and starting to live again. And it's a very, very powerful story. And it was one that I'm very honored that I was able to meet this veteran and, and that beautiful dog. Cheney is gorgeous and he's big. He's a big dog. I mean, happy. He really is. Black Labrador big. Retriever. But he's a giant Labrador Retriever, and I just uh, fell in love with Cheney. He is. Uh, he's so precious and uh, sweet. Very, very sweet. And uh, you know, we see these these soldiers, these Marines who have served on the front lines in the War on Terror, and when they come home and are retired and trying to to become a civilian again, they're wounded, invisible wounds of war, such as PT. Yes, it's devastating for our young warriors. And uh, I've just devoted in my life to making sure those young warriors are able to heal. And I believe that healing, as I know you believe it too, comes in four mm-hmm. legs, fur, a wagging tail, a big licking tongue, a dog like Cheney, a dog like Maddie, a dog like Cena, a dog like Fieldy. These dogs just uh, make such a difference in, in their lives. Oh, Laura, wow. We could talk about this all day long. I just, uh, you're just inspirational to me every day, Laura, and I'm just so proud to know you and happy for your book. The wonderful new book, listeners, is My Old Dog, Rescued Pets with Remarkable Second Acts, written by my wonderful friend, Laura Coffey. Laura, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you very much for having me. It was really, really wonderful. 
Well, we're thrilled. And listen, if my family and friends are on the phone, you're going to get a cover of the holidays. <laughs> I can't wait Aww. to give this holiday season. Laura, thanks so much. And again, congratulations. Friends, we'll be right back with my colleague, Scott Sowers, who will be chatting with Dr. Amy McCullough about the importance of pets in our classrooms. Don't go anywhere. This is Be Humane with Dr. Robin Ganser. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Pet Life Radio. I am Scott Sowers with American Humane Association, filling in for Dr. Robin Gansert on this next interview. And I'm joined on the line by a colleague of mine at AHA, Dr. Amy McCullough, our National Director of Humane Research and Therapy. Dr. McCullough has actually helped spearhead a new study that we just put out in the last couple of weeks, the Pets in the Classroom study, which we did in collaboration with the Pet Care Trust. We have the full results of phase one available on our website, AmericanHumane.org. And here to talk about this new study is Dr. McCullough. Welcome, Amy. How are you? Hi, Scott. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Yeah. So talk about this study. Talk about what the goals of this study were and you know, some of the findings and why this is so important for teachers and parents and school children. Sure. The Pets in the Classroom study has really been a fun and interesting study for us to conduct at the American Humane Association. We are working with Pet Care Trust to uncover how pets are used in classrooms across the country so that in the end we can help identify what are the benefits and challenges to having pets. How are they helping our kiddos in their childhood and educational experiences? So the first phase of the study really focused on finding out qualitatively how classroom pets are used, what kind of pets are in our children's classrooms, and how are the teachers incorporating them into lessons. And so we found some interesting findings. The top benefits and uses of classroom pets that we found in our study are teaching responsibility to the children and giving them leadership opportunities. Teachers talked about how much the kids look forward to being the the person in charge of the pet for that week in terms of the care and feeding and the sense of pride that it instills in them. Another key benefit we found for the kids who have classroom pets is learning care and compassion for living beings. And then the last top finding we talked about was how pets can really be calming influences in classrooms. So teachers described instances where 
children might be having a behavioral outburst, having a bad day, and the teacher would direct them to go look at the fish tank and, and tell us <laughs> what Bubbles is doing today and what, he, what do you think he's up to? And, that, and just being creative and how we can learn from animals and help us really to become better people. Yes, that's all great. And you mentioned, however, there are a few challenges that you uncovered with this study. What are some of the biggest challenges with classroom There are, and these are equally important. Obviously, at American Humane Association, we're very interested in ensuring the health and welfare of both the children and the animals in this setting. So we found out through our study that teachers have challenges in terms of covering the costs of a classroom pet. Pet Care Trust graciously provides funding, but there are outside costs that arise in terms of food, care, veterinary care. Also, another challenge is dealing with the loss of the classroom pet and helping the children through those processes. So what American Humane Association is focused on is helping educate both our teachers as well as parents and the public about how classroom pets can best be utilized to ensure their health and well-being. So what are the best species that should be in classrooms? How can we help children safely interact with the animals? How can we ensure the classroom pets are taken care of on weekends and holidays and, and they're always happy and healthy and safe? Because we know that human-animal interactions really need to be mutually beneficial to both the human and the animal. Yeah, and you mentioned trying to find out which species are the best for classrooms. And in this phase one, we discovered what the most common types of classroom pets are. The By far, the most common is fish at 31% of the, of the 1,200 teachers we surveyed have fish in the classroom. And the next most common after that was the guinea pig at 13.7%, then the hamster at 10.5%, and the bearded dragon, 7.8%, and finally the leopard gecko, just right behind at 7.3%. So, Amy, with this research, we're just in phase one. Talk a little bit about what we're going to use this for to help design phase two of the study. So where we want to take this research from here are to understand we've, we've uncovered that teachers are feeling that classroom pets are benefiting our children in terms of their social skills and helping with calming problem behaviors. But really what we want to take this next is how can we translate these benefits to cognitive and academic performance? How can we show that having a pet in the classroom results in, for example, increased reading skills or math skills. So that's what we're really looking at for phase two is measuring not only how are they benefiting children in terms of their emotional development, but how then does that emotional development aid in the children's performance in the classroom. So it's fun to read um, some of the anecdotes from the teachers of how they're currently using classroom pets to help guide lessons and bringing science lessons to life when you're learning about a habitat. It's so much more fun and meaningful to actually go look at that animal's habitat as you're reading about it in your textbook or even practicing reading skills out loud to an animal or a writing assignment. It's much more fun to write about Squeaks the guinea pig and his adventures <laughs> than other topics. So yeah. um, it's just exciting to see how animals are being incorporated and, and really motivating children to learn. And we, our next step is to try and, and document that with, with some evidence-based research. Well, that's fantastic. And we mentioned that Pets in the Classroom is a program of the Pet Care Trust, and they provide grants to pre-K through eighth grade educators to adopt and provide ongoing care for small animals. So we thank them for their involvement with this and their concern for animal welfare. And of course, we thank them for the generous grant to American Humane Association to perform this, this vital research. So talk a little bit about how we gathered the results for this first phase. So what we did to perform the first phase is we worked with Pet Care Trust 
to access the database of teachers that they have given grants to. So they've given out thousands and thousands of grants to teachers across the country from age pre-K to eighth grade. And so we solicited teachers both for an online survey as well as we conducted um, approximately 50 telephone surveys directly with teachers and talked to them about their experiences because we wanted to ensure that we both, we not only understood how their classroom pets are being utilized, but how could we develop a feasible study for phase two that teachers would be excited about participating in. So, Amy, do you remember having any class pets uh, while you were going through school? or? You know, it's funny. I was remarked as we were conducting this study how jealous I was because I did not have a classroom really? pet growing up. But that could be because I grew up in a very um, rural farming community. And so people's jobs outside of school were to help the parents and grandparents care for okay. farm animals and other pets. So, but that's another thing that was interesting about this survey was many of the teachers remarked that one of the key benefits of having a classroom pet are for children who are in urban or inner city areas who aren't able to have their own pet at home. Now, speaking of having a pet at home, we all know that you have a very famous dog at home, Butler, the Weather Channel therapy <laughs> dog, who is an AHA spokes dog. Talk a little bit about what you and Butler have been up to. Butler just had a birthday a couple weeks ago. He turned what we think to be approximately three years old. So Happy he birthday, has been our- Butler. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So we have been conducting different types of therapy sessions on behalf of the American Humane Association and the Weather Channel for the last year and a half now it's been. Uh, most recently, Butler and I traveled to um, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, to pay a visit to one of American Humane Association's key supporters, which is the NCR Corporation. They have generously helped us provide services to military families to help them not only benefit from therapy animals, but also service dogs. They have supported our WAGS for Patriots program, which is a grant program that helps offset the training and adoption costs for military veterans to receive a service dog to help them with their PTS. And also, the NCR Corporation has helped support our military camps for children who have a parent deployed. So, Butler likes to go to those camps to help those kiddos who are dealing with a parent who is overseas, helping them meet their other friends at camp and just have a, a good camp experience. So, at NCR, he got to do some meeting and greeting and some direct interactions with some of the employees that help support our, our work. And so he had a, a great time chasing the tennis ball in the courtyard and romping around the conference rooms. He got lots of cookies and lots of pets. Yeah, well, you know, we, we really want to thank NCR for their tremendous support of our work and for their commitment to animal welfare and for their compassion. But I understand that Butler wasn't the only dog who was there at NCR. Talk about who, who was there with you. Yes, Butler was also joined by uh, retired military dog, Cena, and his handler, Jeff DeYoung. And Cena is a retired bombsmithing dog. And so he is a happy black lab who is obsessed with the tennis ball. And it was yes, fun, Jeff, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, Cena is a happy guy. And so he, um, it was fun for Jeff to give us a demonstration. He would hide a cookie in the room and he would show how Cena still has those scenting abilities and, and, um, can, you know, go so far ahead of Jeff as his handler to seek out certain scents and what he does to identify when he smells a scent. And so it's really, it's fascinating what these dogs can do and how important military working dogs are in ensuring the safety of our military staff. Absolutely. One way that Amy was talking about with the dog going out far ahead of the 
of the handler. You can see that in the new movie Max, which we had a couple radio shows about recently. Um, you can see kind of what that's like in real life with the dog going out far ahead to seek out potentially hidden weapons. And Jeff and Cena have been tremendous advocates of American Humane Association. We can't thank them enough. Jeff actually held a movie night fundraiser for the premiere of Max a couple weeks ago. And so with the proceeds going to benefit American Humane Association's military programs. So thank you, Jeff, and thank you, Cena. Uh, we couldn't do it without you. You know, at the top of this interview, I had the pleasure of introducing Amy as Dr. Amy McCullough, which she's been on the show a couple times, but I think this is the first time we've been able to introduce her with her new title. So congratulations, Amy. Talk about a little bit about your PhD that you now have. Thank you. Yes, very exciting. Yeah, there's so much. This is the, this is the best time to be in the human-animal interaction research field because this really is a field that is on uh, just a growth trajectory. More and more research is being conducted in this area, and there are so many different disciplines that can be incorporated to really understand what mechanisms behind human-animal interaction. Why are we so attracted to animals? What do they do that make us, you know, feel better and, and lower our blood pressure and, yeah. you know, become less depressed? And so it's just a really exciting time to be in the field. And so... Obviously, one of the primary things I'm utilizing my doctorate is to look at the impact of therapy dogs on children who have cancer with our Canines and Childhood Cancer Study, which is sponsored by Zoetis. And so we're about halfway through enrollment of kiddos in that study, and it's, it's already exciting to look at some of the trends in the data. I mean, it's very preliminary, but it's exciting to see preliminarily that the children are benefiting from these sessions, the parents perceive their children are benefiting, and they also, an important part of the study that we're looking at is we want to also assess what these sessions, what kind of impact they're having on the on the dogs themselves. Because as we talked about earlier, um, obviously we're concerned about both the health and welfare of the humans, but as well as the animals. And so um, we're, the research team is spending lots of hours watching um, the videotaped sessions of the kiddos interacting with their therapy dogs as they wait for the chemotherapy sessions. And it's, it's heartwarming to see the interactions and how these dogs are really brightening the lives of these kiddos. And so our goal, obviously, is to show scientifically that the children have lowered blood pressure, pulse, have less stress and anxiety, then also to show that the dogs also do not experience any distress in these interactions. So we look forward to continuing this study. Yeah, and I think really that's, for me, the most interesting aspect of the study. It's not just seeing how it affects the kids and their families, but really we want to make sure that when we're doing these therapy sessions, it's not a burden on the animals themselves, that they're getting as much out of it as the people who they're interacting with. So that, that's very important. You know, being a humane organization like AHA, we want to make sure the dogs aren't being overworked or fatigued by it. Absolutely. And I, I think that'll be some more information that there'll be a lot of, I think, helpful information that comes out of this study, but even applying some of this knowledge to best practices. You know, the study can help tell us perhaps there is a time where we can look at the frequency of visits with therapy dogs. Maybe there's a time that, you know, therapy dogs get burned out during sessions and they should be shorter or they should visit less frequently. And so that's the exciting part of, of this type of research is um, not only are we hoping to show their positive benefits, but what can we learn that can improve the practice of these interventions as they're happening in, in, the, in hospitals across the country every day. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for Amy. You know, you're just, there's so many different things you're involved with here at AHA. So I just wanted to ask you briefly, any, any upcoming projects or visits with Butler, anything you can share with us? 
Well, I'm excited about an upcoming project that we've been working on. And um, one of the newer settings that we're seeing more and more therapy dogs in are airports. I don't know if anyone's traveled recently and come upon um, some friendly lagging dogs waiting in the gate areas, but more and more airports, I think there's up to over 30 airports now in the United States, have therapy dog programs, and those dogs wow. are there to help comfort stressed travelers. I mean, we all have experienced delayed flights and lost bags, and so yeah. it's kind of a new up-and-coming area of therapy dogs, and so we're working on developing a best practices manual or white paper to help all airports establish a safe therapy dog program. That is certainly, uh, you know, I've, every time I fly I, and I'm there delayed in the airport, I would love nothing more than to pet a dog. And I'm sure many flyers <laughs> feel the same way. So yeah. hopefully, hopefully airports will stock up, especially around the holidays when delays right. are inevitable. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Amy. Again, the results of phase one of the Pets in the Classroom study are available on our website, AmericanHumane.org. I encourage you all to go there and, and read the document just because it has some amazing findings and some amazing anecdotes from, from teachers about how these classroom pets are helping the school children. And as always, be sure to look for pictures of Butler on our Facebook page and be sure to like Butler's Facebook page, Butler the Weather Channel Therapy Dog. He has many updates and he loves to, uh, to interact with his fans. Thank you so much, Amy. We'll talk with you later. You bet. Thank you. We'll be back with more Pet Life Radio. I'm Scott Sowers and you're listening to Be Humane with Dr. Robin Gansert. Thank you, Scott, and thank you to our guests today, Laura Coffey and Amy McCullough. Laura's book, My Old Dog, is available in bookstores everywhere right now. Well, friends, that's all the time we have for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Next week's episode will be on military war dogs and some of the advancements in the National Defense Authorization Act. So please be sure to tune in to next week's episode. Until next time, let's all remember to be humane. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.